I read from the book of Samuel. During the time young Samuel was ministered to the Lord under Eli, a revelation of the Lord was uncommon and vision infrequent. One day, Eli was asleep in his usual place. His eyes had lately grown so weak that he could not see. The lamp of God was not yet extinguished. And Samuel was sleeping in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. The Lord called to Samuel, who answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I did not call you, Eli said. Go back to sleep. So he went back to sleep. Again the Lord called Samuel, who rose and went to Eli. Here I am, he said, you called me. But he answered, I did not call you, my son. Go back to sleep. At that time, Samuel was not familiar with the Lord, because the Lord had not revealed anything to him as yet. The Lord called Samuel again for the third time. Getting up and going to Eli, he said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the youth. So he said to Samuel, Go to sleep, and if you are called, reply, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When Samuel went to sleep in his place, the Lord came and revealed his presence, calling out as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So welcome everyone. <clears throat> I am Father Brett Brannon, and I am at the Pontifical College Josephinum, a seminary here in Columbus, Ohio. I am the spiritual director here at this seminary, and we are in St. Rose of Lima Chapel, one of many very beautiful chapels, the Blessed Sacrament, of course, here with us. This is a discernment retreat for men to help them know God's will regarding priesthood, regarding whether they should go to the seminary or not, etc. <clears throat> it's like the, the uh, stewardess sometimes says when you get on the airplane, you know, just before they close the door, she'll say, now this plane is going to Philadelphia. If that's not where you're going, you may want to get off. Well, the truth is, we don't know exactly where we're going, do we? We want to do the will of God, and we're listening to this retreat because we want to know the will of God. Special thank you to the sister servants in Birmingham, Alabama, and the wonderful apostolate they provide at the Casa Maria Retreat Center. I've been with them many times for retreats, and they just provide wonderful retreats for so many, uh, not just Catholics, but people from all over, and helping them to to grow in holiness and to grow closer to Jesus. So <clears throat> so grateful for the sister servants for providing this opportunity, even though this is virtual. Because of COVID-19, of course, many others this year have to be uh, recorded and online. 
which means I am recording this in Ohio and I could be recording this in Alabama in February where it was a little, might be a little bit warmer. Happiness is to do the will of God. And I am most happy if I am where God wants me. And He wants me now here at this seminary, the Pontifical College Josephinum, and I'm very happy to be here. Is Jesus Christ calling you to be a priest? This is really the only question that matters. If He is calling you to be a priest, you don't have to worry about any other questions. Questions like, do I have the gifts and talents to become a priest? Or will I be happy as a priest without a wife and children? Or do I have the intellectual ability to do the required seminary work? Will I be able to preach and teach effectively to God's people? St. Augustine writes, God will never send me where His grace cannot sustain me. Answer the first question. Is Jesus Christ calling you to be a priest? And you don't have to worry about the other questions because God would never call you to do something without giving you the wherewithal to do it. He loves you and He's going to take care of you. Whether you're called to be a priest or not, you're His child and He's grateful that you're at least generous enough to come on this retreat and to seek His will. Remember that some men are called to go to the seminary who are not called to become priests. What does that mean? God calls some men to go to seminary. And they're here as a place to not just to grow, to learn their philosophy and theology, but also to continue to discern, is this God's will for me? And you reach a certain point in discernment where you can't discern anymore outside of the seminary. And that's why we have two years of pre-theology. We also have a college seminary available. We have one here at Josephinum and many others around the country. And so that's four years of college for those who are ready to go, and then two years of pre-theology, which gives us a lot of time before we even start theology, the last four years, to really seek God's will. And uh, being around other men who are called to become a priest is one of the most helpful things in discerning, discerning should I be here. So, so God calls some men to go to seminary. They stay a couple of years, and then He calls them out of the seminary. And they end up serving the church in, in wonderful ways. We see many of our greatest lay leaders were former seminarians. So we don't come to the seminary thinking that, but sometimes we come to the seminary hoping that. You know, I know men that come saying, Lord, I'm coming, but I'm hoping you're going to call me back out and call me to marriage and family. Well, you can hope whatever you want, but the most important thing is that you be generous and say yes to whatever God calls you to do. So it should be around 20 men attending this retreat, listening to these conferences. I've been praying for you, and I'll continue to pray for you throughout the retreat. But I want to invite you to spend some time in silence with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, if possible. God only speaks to a silent heart. So maybe after you listen to a conference, you can go take some time and listen to God. Close your door of your room or go down to the church, uh, whatever you're able to do, but spend time in silence because a retreat is 
a time of grace. Certainly pray about what you hear, what I say, what, but then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. Jesus is never outdone in generosity, I promise you. If you are generous with him on this retreat, he will give you many graces. And I'm conscious that there are men on this retreat who would be in very different places with regard to discernment of priesthood. Some of you may pretty much have moral certainty that God wants you to at least go to the seminary. And some of you may be just thinking about it for the first time tonight or today. Some of you have already done a lot of reading, you've asked questions, you've been to vocation retreats and discernment groups, and others of you maybe have not even started to ask questions. And so for that reason, I want you to please be patient with me and with your other brothers on this retreat if I am covering things that may be way back in your past, things you've already learned, you've known for a long time, and, but I just ask that you be patient because we're all going to be in different places. We only have four conferences on this retreat, each one about 45 minutes. In general, I am going to cover these topics. What do priests do? What is the priesthood essentially and sacramentally? How does a man discern if God wants him to become a priest or at least to go to the seminary? What are some of the qualities of a good candidate for the priesthood or signs that God may be calling you? What are some of the fears? And how do I know if I have the gift of celibacy to live without a wife and children, as we say, in tranquility of heart with appropriate intimacy? And what is a seminary like these days? Should be able to talk about that since I work at one. What steps should I take right now? Or what should be the next steps I take uh, as I discern God's will, especially regarding priesthood? I'll begin by telling you a little bit about my own vocation. Um, I was uh, raised in Statesboro, Georgia, on a tobacco farm. My father was a tobacco farmer, and my dad is a not, was a non-practicing Baptist, and my mother was a Catholic, very devout Catholic, from New Orleans. And I have three siblings, two brothers and one sister. But there are not many Catholics in Statesboro, Georgia. I was the only Catholic in my class. There was no Catholic school. I never went to a Catholic school in my life until I went to the seminary. And I played sports in high school, uh, a lot of different uh, athletics, and my family, we were faithful. My mom and the children, my dad didn't go usually, <clears throat> but we went to Mass every Sunday. But other than that, not a lot of youth group involvement or retreats. It was a small town. And as I say, the Diocese of Savannah is 96% potential Catholics. I went to the University of Georgia, though I felt a call to priesthood even in high school. I, I knew that might be where God was calling me, but I wasn't ready. I just knew I wasn't ready to go to a, a college seminary. And so I ended up going to the University of Georgia where I um, dated quite a bit, a number of uh, very good girls. And I can remember being in the party scene. 
I was a member of a fraternity and, and I can remember, you know, going to parties and, you know, leaving at midnight, heading home. And uh, I felt attracted or drawn to the church there on campus at the University of Georgia. It was open all night and um, I would go in and it would be pitch dark and the only thing you could see would be the sanctuary light near the Blessed Sacrament. And I would sit there and I would say to the Lord, Lord, something's not right about this. And, but you know, the Lord would just say to me, God's not finished with you yet. I'm not finished with you, just be patient. And I would go there, I just felt very drawn to be with Jesus. I wasn't completely happy, obviously. Though I had fun in my social life, especially the first two years of college, going to football games and being a part of the fraternity life, I was not happy with that party life. I was conscious of sin in myself and in others, and I did not want that life. I, I remember thinking, Jesus doesn't want me here. He doesn't want me doing these things. So I began to pull away from the fraternity life. I was going to daily mass and saying prayers at the church. Often on the weekends, I would go up to the monastery of the Holy Spirit, the Trappist Monastery in Conyers, Georgia, a couple hours away. And I would spend the weekend there just to pray with the monks. And I just felt very drawn to that silence. I was pre-med, always had been fascinated with healing. And so I started the courses there studying pre-medicine and eventually became an EMT, an emergency medical technician, which I found very exciting. I loved driving the ambulance or being in the ambulance, going to car wrecks and going to pick up medical emergencies. And oftentimes, the people would already be dead. They had had a heart attack or a car wreck, or they were pronounced dead on arrival at the hospital. I saw a lot of people die. And I remember saying to the Lord one night in prayer, Jesus, I want to help people die well. And I heard the Lord say to me, so to speak, not an audible voice, but it was very clear. He said to me, if you want to help people die well, help them live well. Become a priest. And I remember thinking to myself, you duped me, Lord. I let myself be duped, to quote the prophet Jeremiah. But the Lord was using my choices, the directions that I was going, good or bad, right or wrong, good or bad. He used those to show me his will. I was asking him, show me your will. Jesus, I want to want what you want. Help me to want to be what you want me to be. It's a great little prayer. Jesus, I want to want what you want. Help me to want to be what you want me to be. I graduated in 1984 from the University of Georgia with a degree in psychology, which has been very, very helpful as a priest. And I went straight to Mount St. Mary Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. That was the first uh, seminary, the first Catholic school I ever studied in, and um, the farthest north I'd ever lived as well. I can tell you that when I first got to Mount St. Mary's, I absolutely loved it. I loved the surroundings. I loved praying together. I loved men who loved the Catholic Church. They loved Jesus Christ. It was 
like a holy fraternity house. It was men who, drawn together by virtue, Christian virtue, living together, trying to become holy, and of course studying and being formed to become a priest. You know, um, virtue is the highest form of friendship, isn't it? When friendships are based on honesty and truth and goodness, those friendships are always the best friends. And that's why you always make the best friends in your life in the seminary. After six years together, praying together, holy hour every day, studying together, and going through all the steps of priestly formation, friendships with priests are very deep and very profound. But after first theology, after finishing pre-theology and first theology, I was just in the seminary two years, my prayer life had really begin, begun to dry up. And this is very natural. Anytime someone begins to pray faithfully, God always begins to withdraw the affective, affective dimension, which means you don't feel as much when you go to prayer. You know God is there. You know the Lord is here present. But Jesus pulls away the feeling because he wants you to come to prayer for him and not for his gifts. And I entered into a very deep desolation after being in a very strong consolation when I first arrived in the seminary. And it was very difficult for me. And by Christmas of my first year of theology, I told my spiritual director that I was going to leave the seminary and that I wasn't called to become a priest. Well, he strongly encouraged me to finish the year, finished first theology, and toward the end of first theology, I said to him, okay, I did what you asked. I'm leaving the seminary and I'm not going to be a priest. <clears throat> I will not be back. And he said, <clears throat> my spiritual director was a great saint, Father Minocchio, he said, you'll be back. I said, with all due respect, Father, I will not be back to become a priest. <clears throat> and he laughed and said, you'll be back. And of course, he was right. I did go back. But why did I leave? <clears throat> not just the dryness of my prayer, but it was also the temptation of, of the things of the world. I was still very drawn to <clears throat> having a good job and wife and family and the nice things in life. And especially when my prayer began to kind of dry up, I began to really yearn for those things again. I worked for a while and uh, worked in Atlanta as well as in Savannah, helped my father on our tobacco farm. But I knew at some level I was probably still going to end up a priest. But I was fighting against it. I was very stubborn. Finally, I made the decision to go back to see my bishop I asked him if he would allow me to go back to the seminary, and he did accept me to go back. And everything was set for several months, and then it came time for me to go. I changed my mind again. Definitely a time of discernment confusion. Within a couple of months, I was back again knocking on the bishop's door, saying, Bishop, I want to be a priest. Will you let me go back? Well, the bishop and I prayed Novene of holy hours before the Blessed Sacrament, and in the end, he said to me, all right, he said, I've decided to accept you back, but I'm not sending you back to the seminary. I said, well, what are you going to do with me? I thought that's what you did with seminarians. And he said, well, you've shown so much discernment, um, confusion. Uh, I think I'm going to send you to work in a parish, a wonderful priest, wonderful parish, school, live in that rectory, work with the priest for a year, 
And if you still want to be a priest, then I'll let you go back. And it was the most wonderful year of my life. That pastoral year, we call it, uh, working with happy priests who prayed. Um, they, did, they loved the church. They loved the Lord. They were good to the people. And I really saw what a happy life the life of a priest is. So I returned to the seminary after that year in 1988. I was ordained a priest three years later for the Diocese of Savannah in 1991. And I have loved being a priest every day. I've never looked back, and I never want to be anything else. This year, I'll be a priest for 29 years. Shortly after I was ordained, I was made the vocation director for the Diocese of Savannah just a couple of years because no other priest wanted the job, and I did want it because I loved being a priest, and I wanted to help others discern if they should become priests. And I was the vocation director in Savannah for 10 years, 10 wonderful years, and I was a pastor the whole time. I was a vocation director as well. And then I was sent to Mount St. Mary's Seminary, where I was the vice rector for six years at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland. I've been pastor altogether four or five different parishes. And today, as I mentioned, I am the spiritual director here at another seminary, the Pontifical College Josephinum. And I do retreats for seminarians and priests exclusively. Uh, and it's been a, a special call on my life to help young men discern if they should become priests and to work with priests and try to help them to become better priests. In hindsight, of course, I can see God was not, was not just preparing me to be a priest, but to be a formator of other priests. And I'm so grateful. 25 of my 30 years, basically, I've been training priests or helping priests. You know, discernment always involves suffering. God is not going to give you, He's not going to give you the answer to that question, should I be a priest, the first time you ask it. It's going to require a lot of prayer and a lot of work, a lot of serving, uh, serving others, right? St. John Paul II says we must live our life in the dimension of gift. We've got to get out of ourselves. We've got to serve others. That's the purpose of our life. Priesthood is one way of serving others, and we find our vocation through service. So a diligent, careful discernment of priesthood is going to involve, usually it's going to span many years, good and bad decisions that you make, right? <clears throat> trying to follow the Lord, but also trying to reject sin and to live a holy life. So to do anything less than the will of God for your life is going to bore you. I'll say that again. God has a plan for your life. To do anything less than the will of God for your life will bore you. I have never once been bored as a Catholic priest. This is God's plan for my life. I love it. And it's given me so many wonderful opportunities. Mother Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta, says that there are really only three steps in the spiritual life. And they are number one, loving trust. Number two, total surrender. And number three, joy. Loving trust in Jesus. Total surrender to His holy will, whatever He decides, wherever He wants to send me, 
whatever he wants me to do. And number three, joy. God gives us joy when we do his will. So we have to remember that the first vocation is always going to be the same. You don't have to discern your first vocation. I can tell you what it is. The church teaches clearly what it is. That is holiness. God is calling you to be a saint. <clears throat> I say to our seminarians here, when they first arrive, I would rather you be a saint than a priest if you're not called to be both. Did you get that? I would rather you be a saint than a priest if you're not called to be both. In other words, I know you're called to be a saint. I know you're called to be like Jesus Christ, to serve others, to live a life of virtue and service, holiness. And then maybe God will, maybe he will call you also to become a, a priest. And so, again, the basics of vocation are primary vocation is holiness, Christ-likeness. As Father Benedict Groeschel, God rest his soul, used to always say, the heroes in the Catholic Church are not the priests. The priests are the janitors of the church. The heroes in the Catholic Church are the saints. They are the ones who raise up the whole world. One saint can change the whole world. And when that saint is also a priest, like St. John Vianney, the patron saint of all priests. The whole world can truly be elevated through the work of that priest. St. John Vianney said, <clears throat> the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. The priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. And that means that our hearts have to be conformed to the heart of Christ. And that means to love like Christ loves, to suffer with him. That means to be courageous in speaking the truth and leading God's people and courageous in fighting against evil and the errors of our time and our culture. Sometimes I'll hear people will say, you know that young man, he's a fine young man, I see him at Mass every day, you know, he just might have a vocation. It always irritates me when people say that. Why would it irritate me? Because we all have a vocation. What do you mean he might have a vocation? Of course he has a vocation. And that girl over there who's called to marriage also has a vocation to holy marriage. So please don't say, even though that very devout man might have said that, he's you know trying to promote uh, priesthood, he's making a fundamental error because he's sending a message that other people are not called to a vocation. So the primary vocation of holiness, that's the first vocation. Secondary vocation, for a man, it's going to either be holy marriage, holy orders, priesthood, right? Religious life, third choice to be a religious would be like a, a Franciscan, a Dominican, a Jesuit, right? Where you take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, or generous single life. Some people are called not to be married, not to be a priest, or religious. They're called to holiness in some other um, special apostolate. And then finally, the third level is occupation. It's what I, I like to call occupation. <clears throat> so uh, that would be for married people, what they do for a living, a doctor, a lawyer, right? But they're still going to be called to marriage or to one of the states in life. Marriage, priesthood, religious life, generous single life, or the kind of states in life under 
holiness of life. So I think it's important for us to review this, right? Because I'm not here to talk you into becoming a priest. No disrespect, I don't really care whether you become a priest or not. What I care is that you do the will of God. Because if you do the perfect will of God, we will have plenty of priests and plenty of saintly married people and plenty and plenty of saintly religious as well. Happiness is to do the will of God. Loving trust. Jesus has a plan for you and no other plan will make you as happy or will you be as effective, quote unquote, in building the kingdom of God than the plan that before the world was even created, he knew you and he knew your vocation and he was calling you to a certain vocation. This is not just your choice. God calls. You can't call yourself to be a priest. God calls. We say yes or no, but God is the one who calls us. I would never, I don't think, chosen to, be, to have become a priest by myself, of course, but I felt the Lord draw in my heart from the time I was around maybe eight or nine years old. So that level of occupation, we talk about it. You know, we say we go to vocational school to learn how to do certain things that help us get a job. But, um, you know, and we certainly will say, well, that teacher has a God-given gift of teaching those children. And that, um, you know, that musician has a God-given. There's no question they have tremendous gifts from God to do that work. But just for our purposes of, of, of conversation here on this retreat, holiness, state in life and then occupation. And ordinarily, they have to be discerned in that right order. First of all, we teach our young people to pray, to follow Jesus, to obey the commandments, to confess their sins, to serve others, to grow in virtue, holiness. <clears throat> and once they are moving in that direction of holiness, and they're, you know, the sequela Christi, the following of Christ, kind of becomes their habit, their habitus, then we're able to start helping them, what is God telling you He wants you to do to build His kingdom? Remember that every vocation is about saving others. Always about saving others. One of the, the stories that I like very much was uh, told to me by a priest who, who went to tell his pastor he was said when he grew, that he was going to become a priest. He said, um, he said, when I was growing up, he said, I was a church mouse. I was always around the church. I loved serving Mass. I loved praying. And our priests were wonderful men. We loved being around them. And so everybody would say to me, um, oh, you know, the sisters in this Catholic school, you're going to be a priest one day. Aren't you going to be a priest? Think about it. My mother would, father would say, you ought to think about becoming a priest. I think you'd be a good one. You know, all the assistant priests in the parish would say, you're going to be a priest. You should think about it. Where he said, and I feel this way when I was growing up as well, I would say, please stop asking me. I don't want to hear it anymore. And this young man named John said, well, there was one person who never, quote, harassed him or talked to him about being a priest. And that was the pastor. And he was an elderly Monsignor. And um, one day, he said, Monsignor, he was always very friendly. He was a you know, wonderful, holy priest. But he said, he never asked me or mentioned priesthood. And then he said, one day, he said, I had the early Mass. I was serving. I was an altar boy. 
and the Monsignor had the Mass, 7 o'clock Mass, and we were sitting in the sacristy. We were vested, waiting for the bell to ring for the early Mass. And the Monsignor turned to him and said, John, have you thought about what you're going to do when you grow up? And of course, the young man John thought to himself, oh gosh, here it comes. Even the Monsignor is going to ask me to be a priest. And he said, um, well, yes, Monsignor, I've thought a little bit about it. He said, um, I think I, I would like to you know, graduate from high school, and um, I'd like to go to college and study medicine. I'd like to be a doctor. And Monsignor shook his head. He said, good, good, wonderful. Being a physician is a wonderful vocation, uh, you know, wonderful work in the, in the world to care for people. And he said, and, um, and then what? And the young man said, well, and then I, I guess I'd like to be married and um, I'd like to have children, I'd like to have a family. And, and Monsignor shook his head and said, that's a wonderful thing, good. He said, and then what? He said, well, he said, I, I guess I'll be a doctor for my life and take care of my children, raise my children and grandchildren, and, you know, eventually I'll retire. He said, great, and then what? And, you know, the young boy didn't know where the Monsignor was going. He said, well, I guess, Monsignor, eventually I'll die and I'll go to heaven. And the Monsignor nodded his head and said, and who will you bring with you into heaven? And immediately the bell rang and the Monsignor walked out to begin the Mass. And the young man, John, said to himself, how clever you are, Monsignor, how clever you are. And he said, and all through that Mass, he said, uh, I thought about that question. Who will you bring with you into heaven? And eventually, after high school, he did decide that God was calling him to become a priest, and he's a wonderful priest. I suppose he could have used the same question, though, to have discerned he was called to marriage, because marriage is also about getting other people into heaven. See, God is infinite in power. He can save us with a blink of his eye. He's already saved us. Jesus Christ has died from the dead, died on the cross and risen from the dead. But he wants to use us to help us build the kingdom. Our vocations are intertwined, just like your faith has much to do with the faith of your parents and the faith of your grandparents. So I guess in this first conference, I want you to think about that question and pray about that question. Who will you bring with you into heaven? The purpose of a priest is to bring people to Jesus and Jesus to people. The purpose of a priest is to bring people to Jesus and Jesus to people. And God has designed his church and he has designed the holy priesthood to give priests great power to do just that. Priest brings people to Jesus and Jesus to people in ways that no one else can. And we'll talk more about that in the next conference. For now, remember God can't drive a parked car. It's an expression I often use uh, with discerners. What does that mean? Well, 
You know, sometimes people sit at home and they go, Jesus, tell me what you want me to do. And Jesus says, I will, move. Tell me, Lord, do you want me to be a priest? I'll tell you, move. God can't drive a parked car. What does that mean? That means if you're moving, He can block this way, and then you have to go this way, and He blocks this way, and you have to go that way. And you men are moving by being on this retreat. The car is moving. And don't be afraid. Loving trust. Remember, total surrender and joy. Jesus said, I've come that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. He wants your happiness. And His plan will bring you joy. But He will not force you. He invites you. Happiness is to do the will of God and to do anything less than the will of God for your life will bore you. So there's our question. Who will you bring with you into heaven? Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen.